Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world and what we're doing about it, because we are the light in the storm. Hi, I'm Aijen Poo. And I'm Alicia Garza, and we are back with two special bonus episodes of Sunstorm. In these episodes, we'll be talking with a couple of our friends who've been doing the work in Georgia. Because Avi, Georgia is on our minds. Hello. <laughs> and today to talk about all of the incredible work on the ground in Georgia is Ense Ufot. Ense is the CEO of the New Georgia Project. Under Ense's leadership, NGP has registered nearly 425 thousand Georgians to vote and counting. Ense is an organizer who's been fighting for labor rights and voting rights for many, many years. Also, she understands what Twitch is and how to use technology to reach and empower more young people. Welcome, Ense, my friend. I'm so happy to be here with you all. Thank you for having me. Let's jump in because we know we're taking you from doing the important work that you're doing on the ground. So here's the deal, Ense. We all know Georgia is national news right now. But even alongside of that, right, even as people are trying to figure out, right, how mm -hmm. to support this work mm -hmm. um, and how to really make sure, right, that we are solidifying our victories. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody has an opinion about Georgia politics and they're not from Georgia. So as a Georgian, what do people who don't live in Georgia get wrong about the politics in Georgia? Um, so here's what, here's what people should know about Georgia. Is that one, it's not Atlanta and not Atlanta, um, that there are seven like metropolitan areas with, you know, progressive political infrastructure, multiracial, multiethnic, uh, progressive majority in the state. So Savannah, Albany, uh, Augusta, Macon, Columbus, in addition to Metro Atlanta. And so people should absolutely know that, that in this new American battleground state, that there are hella battleground counties and that it's more than just, you know, like the civil rights movement versus the Confederacy. I think that the other thing that people should know is that it's changing really, really rapidly. I'm just going to be the first state in the deep South with a white minority. So people of color are going to make up the majority of Georgians in like four, five years max. Uh, so by 2025, white people will be the minority. What does that mean for our politics? I think that Georgia is in this place where we're going to either be moved towards California or move towards Texas, right? Both of these are majority people of color states. Both of them have a sort of pale, male, stale minority. And the question mm -hmm. is, you know, what kind of politics are we going to adopt going forward uh, once we become a majority people of color state? I think that people need to know that the rapper Young Jeezy is not from Atlanta. He's actually from Macon. Okay. Big boy. The rapper is not from Atlanta. He's actually from Savannah. Um, <laughs> and on and on and on. So, like, again, just geographic diversity. Oh, I also think that rural voter, that rural voter is often code 
for white conservative, and that's not the case at all in Georgia, that we have what's known as the black belt, the rural black belt. Imagine a prom sash going from northeast Georgia down to southwest Georgia, diagonally across the state. It's known as the black belt. Um, Georgia has 159 counties. Uh, There are about 20 counties uh, that are majority black. Most of them are rural. Uh, and so, you know, thinking about broadband challenges, thinking about having, you know, face-to-face conversations, thinking about the Bible Belt, um, I think is also important. Oh, the evangelical left, it's a thing, right? <laughs> it's a thing. And people need Come to understand on. that. These folks ride like the legacy of evangelicals who come out of like Martin Luther King, Bayard Rustin, uh, you know, even Reverend John Lewis, right? Like the evangelical left is a whole thing. They're organized, they're mobilizing, they're turning up, and they are not going to have you come after one of their own. Ooh, I just got chills with that. That is like exciting and also just sounds like so much dynamism happening in Georgia right now. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about what has been built and how in Georgia. There's a lot that got us here to this point, right? I think it's important to a sort of flag and shout out the um, the long legacy and history of Black women and Black women organizers um, and Black women building movements that are designed to survive themselves. Shout out to Dorothy Bolden and the idea that we need political power as well as economic power, that it's not an either or, um, that it's a both and. And again, it's important that we build infrastructure so that we can win, like actual wins, not like moral victories, although those are fine and those are important, but real wins and then defend those wins beyond one election cycle. And so um, I think about Dorothy Bolden and domestic workers and Black women uh, and leaders in Atlanta and across the South and um, what remains after they're gone. We work really hard to not be extractive. We work to pour in to our leaders, pour in to our communities. And so what that looks like is um, Stacy starting New Georgia Project in 2013. And the idea was to register people uh, for the Affordable Care Act and getting to a place quickly uh, towards the end of 2013, where you realize that the healthcare exchange is garbage um, if your state is not uh, hasn't expanded Medicaid. Knocking on the doors of people who've been working for 20, 30, 40 years and never had health insurance and to try to tell them like, yeah, pay $800 a month for crappy insurance, like people weren't buying it. We didn't have any credibility. It wasn't working. And so she realized that none of this would matter. None of this would change until we changed the legislature. So that's when I came on in 2014 to focus on voter registration, expand the electorate. And so demographics is the fire. Organizing is the accelerant, the gas that we have put on what's happening. And so trying to burn down these structures that no longer serve our purposes anymore um, and trying to build something for the new Georgia, for the new South uh, that takes into account what our priorities are, what our hopes are, what our fears are for our families, um, that we elect people who are accountable, who know that we hired them and know that they can get fired. It's it's New Georgia Project, all these Black women-led, again, organizations that are building infrastructure. Um, 
And that's how we win. That's how it's not a fluke. That's how if one of us gets taken out, um, that the work will continue. Um, and I don't offer that lightly, like the death threats are off the chain uh, in these days and it sucks. We know each other, we support each other, we take care of each other, we look out for each other, we share resources, we share research, uh, we get better together. Uh, and that's why I'm excited about this particular moment that folks are starting to see that it's not like a messiah uh, in the wings or like there's not a puppet master, uh, that there's an ecosystem. I love that. Well, speaking of ecosystem, I mean, part of your strategy, as we understand it, is also about changing not just the culture of organizing, right, from like competition to collaboration, but also changing the culture of voting from registering voters to actually growing, active, engaged, civically participatory <laughs> folk who are um, active in the process of shaping democracy rather than having um, government act on you. Mm. I think that's a really important um, and visionary perspective. So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by changing the culture of voting and why we need to be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I think historically, uh, voters of color, particularly Black voters, have been treated like just um, mobilization targets, right? Just like you're, they're already going to vote the way that they should. So like, just find your favorite pastor, give them a crash back full of cash, and like tell them to turn their people out. No data, no accountability, no infrastructure that's remaining. Like, and that's how politics has been done. Like, the South is littered with stories of presidential campaigns, and then the various committees. Um, again, historically coming in and finding normally a dude, uh, normally a pastor, and not actually investing in the infrastructure. And so you don't, they don't really start talking to people until after Labor Day of an election year because they didn't see them as persuasion targets. There's a gentleman's agreement um, that takes place in a lot of places in the, across the South where there are uh, Black Democrats or Democrats of color uh, who, you know, have a sh handshake agreement with white conservatives or white Republicans. And like, these are our seats. These are your seats. These are where the lines are drawn. You turn out your people. We turn out our folks and like, and nothing gets done. And I think that that was very much still a feature of um, Southern politics. And that's also the culture that we are pushing back against. I think we're pushing back against the culture that you have to be like hyper articulate with a nice suit and wear hard bottoms and have a penis in order to lead people. Um, I think that we are pushing back against the culture of, uh, again, the idea that folks wait till Labor Day to get serious about talking to people about the vote. And so, yeah, like all of those things are features of like they, there aren't red states or blue states or purple states. Like Georgia's always been a battleground, right? Mm -hmm. Given like the race, the racial demographics that make up Mississippi is a battleground state. But what we're talking about is voter suppression that gets ignored and that is accepted. Um, and so we work to expose that and to address that in today's politics. Mm. I could listen to you talking about a culture of voting all day long. Me too. Um, <laughs> and it's just so much brilliance. Um, 
And I think one of the things that has been so important about your leadership and so many others from Georgia is really helping the country understand just how pernicious voter suppression is mm. and um, and how profoundly it affects our ability to have a functioning democracy. Mm-hmm. I just want to double click on that for a second. Like, what do people really need to understand about voter suppression? Um, I think that people need to understand that while there's still Bubba's with shotguns showing up to polling locations trying to intimidate voters, that today's voter suppression is actually much more sophisticated. Um, and that organizers who are working, um, electoral organizers who are working to, you know, win elections and then win on policies um, have to meet that sophistication with sophistication. And so, um, you know, my individual background, right, I have research data, data analysis, technology, gaming, like artificial intelligence. That's my jam. Like that's my personal secret nerd jam. Um, But, you know, obviously my values and as an organizer, uh, I have sought to sort of marry them together. So using data analysis to expose voter suppression, you know, tracking and targeting um, and and having a culture of data hygiene um, in our movement spaces um, so that, you know, before we would be like, we register all these people, where are they? And then the Secretary of State would like shrug their shoulders and hit us with the Kanye shrug and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they tried to do that to us in 2014 when we launched a new Georgia project. And I replied with the names, first name, last name, birth date, the date and time, the street corner that they were registered, the organizer that registered them, and like what position the sun was in the sky when they were registered, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it helped us in court. Um, and it helped us tell the story about voter suppression and what it looks like um, in, you know, in, in today's uh, elections in Georgia. And say, you're absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, You inspire us every single day. And that's not just true for iGen and I. Sorry to speak for you, iGen, but I think... Oh, you can. Full permission. We... We stand actually, but um, and say you are, and the New Georgia Project is such a light for this whole entire country. So thank you, and people can find you and follow your work at Ense Ufat on all the socials. This has been lovely. You are our lights uh, and leaders. I would follow you anywhere. Y'all are in my village. Uh, So I'm happy uh, to have you in my village and to be a part of the ecosystem and to learn and grow with you all and to do dope things. Yes, let's keep doing dope things. We love you. We're with you, here for you. And so excited about everything you're leading. Oh, yes. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to our special bonus episode of Sunstorm. Don't forget to check out sunstormpod.com, where you can catch up on all the Sunstorm conversations. And see you soon. Sunstorm is a project of the National Domestic Workers Alliance in collaboration with Participant. Sunstorm is executive produced by Alicia Garza, Ai-Jen Poo, and Christina Mevs-Apkar. Sunstorm is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Producers are Shelby Sandlin, Mary Philip Sandy, and Mia Warren. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Well, we're so happy to have you, and too bad our listeners can't see this video because your glasses, chef's kiss. 
Absolutely excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs>